Hello, and welcome once again to Outcast United, the podcast. The podcast. Uh, it is Friday. Well, I started to do this on Friday, but it is now technically Saturday because we did our other podcast first uh, <laughs> before we did this one, uh, which is fine because we ended up having a bunch of interruptions, so it works oh. out. Um, even though I won't do any editing on this one uh, to see how well it goes. Because our faithful friend and fellow Outcast United member, Colton, likes Unscripted better. Uh, because it is, uh, you know, it's more real, it's more raw. So you get to see what it's actually like. So it's not that polished, uh, you know, outtakes are taken Ooh, out and all that stuff. Now I might have to hear his parent every once in a while. <laughs> um, so this one we will do uh, Unscripted with no editing. I mean, well, they're all technically Unscripted because I don't write anything out. I just think of what I wanted to do and then I just kind of, I tell Kat, you know, and she's like, okay. Um. <laughs> Sometimes I don't get told. I have literally been sitting there, and then all of a sudden he starts recording. I'm like, "Okay, we're doing this, all right? Cool." Right. Um, that's how <laughs> we did. With that's, it. that's how we did the first podcast. Um, but <laughs> this episode is about origins. Woo! Origins, uh, and not just origins of characters, but I want to. Um, I'm going to talk about our origins what are the origins of how we became the geeks that we are whether it's sci-fi comic books manga anime whatever between me and nikki uh and of course you guys are more than welcome after you listen to the podcast to drop your comments uh on the on the facebook page because as always i will post the link for this episode in the group for you guys to listen to and uh you can drop your comments down and you can let us know what were your origins to you becoming who you are and uh before next episode i'll go back and i'll actually do a a slight read through the comments to do uh let our other listeners know what you guys origins are so we can kind of get to know each other just a little bit more so it's not always just about getting to know me and kat but it's also about getting to know each other um so uh basically i think what i'm going to do is is i will ask kat what her origins to comic books were and then i'll do a couple of uh characters origins in between before i get to mine because i know mine might be a little bit longer um on how i got to the road to being um the geek that i am today i don't know i think us might both have about the same but you know we'll We'll, see we'll see we'll We'll see so um because i don't even think i've told you all the stories i mean you know like where some of my stuff began but i don't I mean, you don't have to go into deep detail because remember you know we don't as we found out doing the other podcast we we only have 60 minutes we only have an hour um, so we don't have to go into deep, deep detail. No, 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 no. I wasn't going to go into like that. But, um, darker. Yeah, right. Like, but you can go into a little detail and explain to us exactly what are your origins on how you became the geek, geek that you are today. today. Okay. Well, what was, or, you know, what was your origin story? What was the, the, just like a comic book character. Here's what my was origin the, story. All what right. was the thing that right. made, that first made you go, I like this kind of stuff. All right. So I will say. I feel like I am a hereditary geek. <laughs> I am a geek because it runs in my blood. Um, and, and I may, maybe, there's a lot of families that I guess, you know, do have that similarity. Um, you know, Kylie's growing up with two very geeky parents, so I'm sure she's going to have her fair share of it when she's, you know, right. a little older. But anyway, um, my my parents themselves were not what I was called geeks. Um, they are both artists. My dad's a musician. My mom is a uh, drafter, a painter, and stuff. Um, but reaching a little bit further out, 
my grandfather and my uncle were heavily influencing me on the geek spectrum very early on. Um, I don't know what came first because, you know, everything kind of becomes hazy when you're 30. Um, <laughs> yeah, to a degree. So, the first... I can't tell you who my first actual memory of a of comic book mentioning heroes and stuff because I feel like I always knew Superman existed so it's like obviously but was there was there like a a, a key I'm getting there I'm getting there okay I'm getting there so like I said I kind of feel like you know I always knew Superman existed because he's you know kind of like the American talked about iconic superhero um but um, and I also played with a lot of boys, I should probably mention, when I was a kid. All of my mom and dad's friends had boys. There was no girls in my life as friends until I reached first grade. Anyway, that aside. Um, so playing, you know, with just boys, I learned a lot about Ninja Turtles and, you know, stuff like that. But the first, the first cognitive memory I have, sorry for stretching this out. Um, I w was with my mom and she drove me over to my uncle's house, her brother. Um, and he was watching Batman Returns. So I didn't know really that much because this was, God, I, I was young. So this was before the 90s animated series and stuff. So it was probably 89, 90. I was about three, maybe four, maybe 91 when I was five. Um, and he had Batman Returns on and I was like oh what's that that looks so cool and I sat down and I watched and I fell in love with Catwoman that was my stamp right there like I was like I want to know more about this character she's badass of course you know I don't think I literally thought badass at five but um but she was just like the coolest thing in the world it blew my mind that I love cats and here's this woman dressed like a cat it was amazing so that was my like big hype and throw like into the deep end you know introduction into superheroes and my love for the batman you know world universe the universe you know the batverse um as i got a little bit older um oh god it probably was in third or fourth grade my parents had just gone through a divorce so i was spending a lot of time at my grandmother's house who had cable TV and I could watch Cartoon Network because we didn't have that. Um, and I found Speed Racer and I was sold. This was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Oh my God. So These are the Speed Racer reruns from like the 60s? Yes! And you're just obsessed. like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life? Oh my life? God, I was obsessed. Okay. I was obsessed. And I don't know why. Because neither do the, I. Neither do I, because the American translation sucks. It's got nothing to do with the American translations, trust me. Oh, okay. Well, I never watched the original Japanese, fully admitted. Not got um, nothing to do with, it's just the, the art. But anyway, Speed Racer. Oh my so God. If you've, so I was, if you've ever watched Speed Racer, you know what I'm uh, talking about. But I loved anime, and I, that was my thrust into anime. And then, and then, <laughs> luckily... A year later, I was saved by Ronin Warriors. Huh? Oh, Ryo was my just everything. I was obsessed. And me and my sister both loved the Ronin Warriors. And she got obsessed with uh, Anubis, which I don't think is Anubis in the American version. but In American way. version, he is Anubis. In the Japanese version, when you watch it, he is actually Sekhmet. 
the names the names got changed a little bit, which I found out later on. Right, if we I remember found that correctly. A years ago. Yeah, when I watched it, yeah. we were like, "What? What the hell?" Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, I'll tell that part in my story about me and my brother. And, yeah. Okay, so my sister was obsessed with Anubis, and I was obsessed with Ryo, and we were just like, every day we were just like glued to the television when Running Warriors came on, and then we found Sailor Moon. And thus my obsession <laughs> began. Because, man, did I dive into that one hard. <laughs> um, still to this day, I'm a huge Sailor Moon fan. It's in my collection. My daughter's obsessed with her as well. She is, like, obsessed with her daughter, Sailor Chibi Moon. And, yes, it is my dream to finally put a cosplay together for me and my daughter to be Sailor Moon and Sailor Chibi Moon because that would just be epic. And it would be really awesome if my husband decided to do Tuxedo Mask with me. He's giving me this uh, face right now. I don't think it, I'm going to hard Harry sell. Said, I'm black and we live in Georgia wearing a full tuxedo <gasps> with a top hat. It's a hard sell. It's a very it hard not. sell. It's a hard sell. I know. I know. But don't like God, swimming you would in my clothing. so handsome. Oh. <laughs> it would just be my dream come true. Okay, so anyway, so my huge fandoms started there. Um, I was big into those, and then my next obsession happened in my teenage years, and I fell in love with an anime called Fushigi Yugi. And many of my friends are going to groan when they hear this because they're like, oh, God. Oh, she, of course, had to mention this. Oh, because I was obsessed. I mean, like, possibly needed to have some help obsessed with Fushigi Yugi. I was going to get a tattoo. I was going to dye my hair purple. I was going to become Noriko. Ah, uh, yeah. So, but anyway. Um, so, at least I didn't do any of these things. I still, to this day, have not dyed my hair purple. I am 34 years old. And in... And it's the next thing I'm going to do, <laughs> but it's not on my priority list as far as bills getting paid <laughs> to dye my hair purple. <laughs> anyway, um, so um, then I kind of hit a rut for a while. I was heavily into anime. I, was, I went to AWA here in Atlanta every year. Uh, they always do it the last weekend of September, or at least they used to. Um, and then I went to the first two Momocons ever when they were still being held out of Georgia State, I believe it was at the time. Um, when it was just an actual, like, college campus anime convention. And I picked up video gaming, but I never became, like, what I would call, like, a hardcore gamer. I enjoyed playing video games. It was a relaxation thing for me. I got obsessed about a couple of titles here and there, but I was never, like, I have to go out and play, like, everything under the sun. I never had a huge collection, but I enjoyed them. I became heavier into role-playing and tabletop role-playing, uh, and I got into LARPing because at um, Momocon, I met a LARPing group, and it became, like, so fun to do. Um, no, we never ran out into the woods and, you know, camped for three days and threw beanbags with, you know, powder in them at each other or anything. We would meet up at, um, actually we met up at the Art Institute up at the uh, Dunwoody campus because one of the people there was actually a student, so they would rent out the room for a club. And that's how I learned about the Art Institute, which led to me and Chris inevitably getting together because that's what led me to go in there eventually. Um... So without LARPing, I wouldn't be here with my husband today. So it deserves a mention in this. Um, and then after we met, because, you know, the LARPing thing kind of fizz fizzed out, but I still do tabletop and I love it. Um, after, 
you know, I'm still in the anime stuff, but I'm kind of hitting a rut as far as, like, what I'm into because anime just started drying up for me. And I was like, God, like, you know, I, I'm not excited about doing about things like it used to be. I got into uh, K-dramas for a little while with a friend of mine, but um, I still just wasn't there. It was just like I was lingering on other, on other people's fandoms at that point. So then me and Chris started talking. And I started hanging out with a lot of people who were into comic books, American comic books, something I'd never really delved into before. And I was like, I want to give this a shot. But I don't know where to start because every time I've ever opened up a comic, it's like in the middle of a story and I don't know where to begin. So give me a starting point. And he helped me figure out what characters I was interested in. Let me back to Catwoman, very first comic. And so it all kind of round robin together from my first obsession, starting with Batman Returns, ending with I'm now huge into DC Comics and... Catwoman because my husband helped me realize like where my geek fandom began um, and along the way the reason why my grandfather got an honorable mention into this is he got me into one of my favorite movie franchises of all time which is Star Wars um, we used to watch them together when I was about eight nine years old about my daughter's age now maybe I can start watching them with her maybe she'll actually sit through them now <laughs> but so that is kind of like, you know, the evolution of my fandom and where it started, the origins and how it progressed and how I got to where we are today with collectors and running outcasts together and having this love of, you know, fandoms and all things geek. Nice. That's really cool. Um, we all have uh, different starts every Every geek has that one moment uh, or that one thing they saw that made them fall in love with whatever it is that they fell in love with. Um, every geek has that origin story. Um, not all of ours are that epic, you know, as some of our favorite heroes that we follow. Um, but we all have something that we all love that got us to where we are. And that at the very core of our geekness, uh, you know, if you strip away everything else that has been put on top of it. Um, we still come back to, mm -hmm. um, and I'll talk about that in my, in my origins, but, uh, in between. So I, I wanted to talk about origins, uh, because like I say, everybody has one and we all have our favorite heroes and we all have our favorite heroes origins. Um, but I, I didn't, I don't want to do standard hero origins because let's be real. Everybody knows Batman's, Batman's origin. Superman's origin. Everybody knows Barry Allen as the Flash's origin. Everybody Captain knows America, Hal Jordan. Iron Man. Captain America, Iron Man, Hal Jordan is Green Lantern. Thor. Uh, Thor, which really I don't feel like Thor has an origin because Thor was born, like his dad born gave him royalty. a hammer. Like he's royalties, but that's a whole nother whatever. So I want to do some, some offbeat characters and some lesser known origins as far as things are concerned. So... Um, I'll start with I'll start with Green Lantern. I'll I'll, I'll I'll probably jump back and forth between Marvel and DC, but I'll start with Green Lanterns, um, and I'll start with a little known fact. I also I'll try to add in a little known fact in each origin. Um, so I want to start with Guy Gardner, the, the the least liked Green Lantern of the six Earth Green Lanterns. <laughs> he is my least favorite. Um, little known fact is that when Hal Jordan was actually chosen by Abin Sur to be the Green Lantern for Earth when he was dying. The ring actually found Guy Gardner first, but Guy was too far away 
and wouldn't have been able the ring wouldn't have been able to reach guy and come back before Abensur died and so the ring chose Hal Jordan instead basically second best but that is why guy eventually was chosen to be a green lantern when Hal needed a replacement so there is that like out of all of them he is just the least qualified um so then my favorite green lantern is Kyle Kyle Rayner um Kyle was Kyle got what I like to think of as like the bums rush kind of oh man trial by fire green lantern origin you know he was a down and out graphic artist who was out at the bar with his friends and he needed to go take a piss and the bathroom line was long so he steps out the fire the fire door to go pee in the alley and the last surviving guardian of the universe one of the, you know the little blue guys who control the green lanterns and run everything shows up and goes looks around and is like you'll do and just hands him the ring huh. and then disappears <laughs> you'll do and that's Kyle's origin for being a Green Lantern. Like, other stuff happened to him down the line, but that's the meat of how he became the Green Lantern. Um, yeah, so it's just like, oh, okay, little green... Nobody's gonna... You're at a bar, and you go back in, and you tell your friends, little green dude showed up. Little blue dude shows up in a in a red dress and, and gives me this green, green ring. <laughs> Nobody's gonna believe that. So, you know, that's one of those <laughs> horrible uh, kind of origin things. Um, so, another, another origin story, which I think has... Which I always think is a I, I like to think of it as an origin as proof that um comics were originally written just to be fun it wasn't about being factual nobody fact checked whether or not what you said a person could do was actually possible like it is now like everybody <laughs> reads comic books with a Are with a thesaurus and an encyclopedia and like an extra physics you know expert professor next to them so they can prove it out but um jay garrick yeah. The original Flash. I knew this is where this was going. <laughs> Jay Garrick got his abilities to run at super speeds by inhaling hard water. I don't know about none of y'all, but last time I checked, hard water was ice. So, I just, I, I've always thought that was kind of hilarious to me, and I've always seen it as a matter of comics were originally created just to be fun nobody cared if they were um, accurate or correct actually there is a thing called hard water um because I, I remember thinking like you know why did they use this and i looked it up um hard water is water that has high mineral contact in contrast to soft water which is what we drink that it, it i mean it's the, it is like the weirdest thing like here inhaled still mineral dumb. water right he inhaled basically the, that makes it even worse he <laughs> inhaled water didn't drown and got super speed yep <laughs> that does not make it sound <laughs> any better any better that was good before so no thinking it was pseudoscience okay <laughs> um right we were, i was i was so much better just being like he inhaled ice and got superpowers which kind of just like he inhaled meth and then got super speed like um oh, which God. some meth heads do it just depends um, oh okay so um so all right so a couple of a couple of of marvel character origins that um well a couple also a couple of little known facts okay so a lot of people don't know a little known fact about cyclops even though a lot of people hate him like there is no day people hate cyclops like they hate superman um maybe it's the 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 leader boy scout mentality i don't know either way it is so little known fact about cyclops that when he was a child he lost both his parents 
his bro, him and his brother Alex were in a in a airplane with his mom and his dad, and because his, his dad was an amateur pilot, and their plane got hit by like a laser blast or something, whatever. And so, whatever I, I realized now, it probably wasn't a laser blast; it was probably a teleporter. Because later on down the lines, he finds his father Cosair, who's a member who's leading the Star Jammers out in space. So his dad didn't die, but his mom did. But it's whatever. So either way, so they're in the plane and the plane gets hit planes going down there's only one parachute don't ask me why four people went in the plane and there was only one parachute and this is comic books so then the mom takes both him and his brother and he puts since scott was the older brother puts the parachute on his back tells him to hold on to his brother tight and pushes them both out of the airplane with the one parachute strapped to the back strapped to scott's back and scott was you know he pulls the cord and that's how he rescued he saved him and his brother they had a rough landing mind you because it's one parachute holding two kids but when he landed he hit his head doing the landing and hitting his head um i just sent you a text to footnote something so we can have oh. it later um hitting his head is he broke a part of his brain he suffered a brain injury that he didn't realize well years later turns out that brain injury is the part of his brain that would have allowed him to control his optic blast and as you know, as Cyclops, he actually can't control it. If he takes off his ruby quartz lenses, his optic blast fires uncontrollably, and there's nothing he can do until he closes his eyes. Um, that injury, which as makes a kid, his eyelids the strongest fucking eyelids. Right, ever. which in reality, I mean, but that's also a biological thing, <laughs> right? You know, right. Because um, oddly enough, being being brothers, Alex's powers don't work on Scott, and Scott's powers don't work on Alex because they're brothers. They nullify each other when he shoots when they shoot each other with them. Um, uh, that's a beneficial thing to have. Right. You can't have friendly fire. You can't have friendly fire in family. Um, so that's a, a little known fact about Cyclops. It's really not a matter of origin uh, to me when it comes to mutants because mutant powers usually activate when uh, a, a, the person is under duress and stress and then they end up just like, and then whatever the mutant power is going to be activates because their body is pumped full of adrenaline and hormones and all it's this other stuff. Very werewolf first transformation. Right. Um, and their powers activate uncontrollably. There's nothing they can do about it. Um, so that is, you know. Going back to like, you know, we're talking about origins and talking about Kyle Rayner and his origins of like, you know, just basically being, you know, handed the ring because like, oh, you'll do here. And, He's just handed this, like, you know, stupidly powerful device that, you know, gives him superpowers now. Right. Um, I think, because that is how he got the powers, but in true essence, his origins of becoming a hero started with Well, tragedy. I just, I, yeah, it started with tragedy, but I was just saying in general his origins of how he became a Green Lantern. He got the ring. Oh, how he okay. ended up getting the ring that was i was going by those origins in general because getting deeper into the origins of of them is a tablet you know how became a test pilot because he wanted to show he had no fear because his father died as a test pilot which led him to eventually being around to be able to become the green lantern and it's just a it's a long haul kind of like when you boil right. it all down you only need like the meat of it like batman became batman because his parents died superman became superman because krypton blew up wonder woman became wonder woman because steve trevor crashed like these are the catalysts that made them that made their origins. This is the right. basis of their origin. The simplified reason for why they became who they are. Okay. Is really what I was going for. Um, Cause I mean, 
there's the origins for how the, you know, the, like you said, the catalyst, but then there's the origins for what caused them to actually sway in becoming either good or evil because power corrupts. So right. it takes a lot of something to drive you to not fall into that so easily, to have something to, to help strengthen that resolve in you. But anyway, um, I just consider it a different type of origins, but it's, it is. it's tied into origins because, yeah. you know, that's what this whole thing's about. Um, so another Marvel character origin, which is another good origin, which is another character that I love, um, is Ghost Rider. Now, there have been many Ghost Riders. There's actually been like four. six. There's okay. been like six of them. Been, <laughs> two of them have been chicks and there's other two, whatever. Either way. Oh, there's there been like, females now? Oh, wow. There have been like behind. six Ghost Riders. Um... So, the origins usually are about... They're about the same to a degree. Like, something bad happens. Like, Johnny Blaze became Ghost Rider because, in order to save his dad's life, he agreed to give his soul to Satan. Ouch. He gets bonded with the spirit of vengeance and becomes Ghost Rider. Like, you know, most bad, most people who end up being demons of some sort made a deal with it. And it's just like, why would you make a deal with the devil? Like, nothing about... The history of anything ever tells you that making the deal with the devil is going to turn out well for well, anybody involved in the situation. But I get it. Desperation breeds tragedy and all that other and stuff. And some very, you know, compulsive thinking. You know, quick a quick fix of the situation and I'll get out of it later. But you never do. Like, you're, you're kind of stuck there. Um... So, then my favorite Ghost Rider would be Danny, Danny Ketch. And I only say that because he's a Ghost Rider. Like most people say, you never forget your first Doctor. You also never forget your first Ghost Rider. The Ghost Rider you saw, whether you like the comic or not, that's who you always associate as Ghost Rider. Now, Danny became Ghost Rider a little bit differently than Johnny did. He didn't sell his soul to the devil. Johnny, or Danny, uh, came into contact with a mystically enchanted motorcycle that had been uh basically mystically enchanted to be able to contain the spirit of vengeance and when he came into contact with the motorcycle whoops he ends up becoming the spirit of vengeance <laughs> and becoming ghost rider mind you this was after that his Don't sister touch was the shiny thing his sister was injured um by ninja gangsters which is just a odd term but <laughs> i'm not even gonna touch that one marvel <laughs> not even gonna I'm, i don't even <laughs> But yeah, Ninja Gangsters. Oh, and God. so he comes across the bike and ends up, you know, and there's and there's a it's a weird thing. They ended up they ended up connecting the two, which is kind of probably why I like Johnny also, is because they ended up in the two thousands in the comics, they they show that Danny and his sister are like the long lost siblings of Johnny Blaze. So that's how they tie which kind of makes it seem like the spirit of vengeance is linked to like their bloodline or whatever, but it's not because someone else eventually becomes Ghost Rider who is not married I or mean, that's related like to them or anything to say like that. that. Like you know, the Flash thing follows like a lineage, but you know, kind of. Well, that it kind of does because in the future Barry eventually becomes the Speed Force and it becomes the lightning that turned him into the Flash, which in turn 
was why Wally was so obsessed with the Flash, and then Wally eventually becomes the Flash, getting hit with a bolt of lightning, which also was the Speed Force, which in turn was Barry. Barry. Like it is, so it's kind of a circle thing I for know the Flash. Everything anyway, everything always leads back to Barry, but I mean, there was like Jesse Quick and stuff. It, and it always leads back to Barry because in the in the, in the a lot of people in the beginning because they were eventually they were two separate. The, the Flash, Jay Garrick as a Flash, was a member of the, the JSA, JSA and wasn't actually a part of the same universe originally. Yeah. So in the original main DC universe, Barry was the first Flash. It wasn't until after the Crisis of Infinite Earths during the 80s where all the worlds were melded together and Jay Garrick became the first Flash and Barry became the second. And then Wally becomes the third and so on and so forth. Right. So that's why it kind of circles back around to Barry because essentially in the main continuity way before Crisis of Infinite Earths, Barry was the first Flash. So it started with Barry and so then that's why it seems to always come back around to it. But there you go. Little known flash fact. Ta-da. Ta-da. Um, so, uh, little known thing about Ghost Rider. He has not always, always had a motorcycle. Because Danny drove a car. No, Danny didn't. Danny oh. drove a motorcycle too. Oh, who and was it? It wasn't until Robbie Reyes uh. drove a Charger. He became the Ghost Rider in the Marvel Now Initiative comic books. And he drove a car. So he was the first Ghost Rider to actually have a four-wheeled vehicle it was a 1969 dodge charger that was his vehicle that he drove as ghost rider it still got the flaming wheels and all that but it was a it was a first it was the first time they really deviated from the motorcycles the motorcycles and and the, shortly the after him, everybody got else got motorcycles went back to motorcycles but that's just you know yeah the reason i got them crosses is because i remember you saying because i know char- you have a special fondness for chargers because of this and also you know what uh burn notice burn notice show. So, I know that you have a special place for chargers. Um, and I I know that that was your favorite of the Ghost Rider, like, of vehicles, automobiles, or whatever. Yeah. And that Danny was your favorite Ghost Rider, so I slammed them together hard. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like the charger because it was such a different uh, aspect of Ghost Rider. Because it's one of those things, you've seen Ghost Rider on a motorcycle all the time, so you always just assume that Ghost Rider always is on a motorcycle. So it wasn't until then that you actually got the idea that the spirit of vengeance, once he is in somebody, whether it's Robbie Reyes, Danny Ketch, whatever, it doesn't matter the vehicle. The spirit of vengeance can turn whatever vehicle into his hell ride. Well, even in the, like, the movie, it showed the like 1800s cowboy... Um, the horse had the flames the and everything. Yeah, yeah, he looked like you know a hell horse or whatever, like right. turned all skeletal and had the flames and stuff, just like and had the skeleton head, just like the rider did. So, yeah, every it, it's whatever they, you know, whatever their ride is. <laughs> but again, it's one of those things you didn't see until you know it happened. So right. Um. So uh, all right, so we've hit officially thirty minutes. So I will. Do a couple more origins and then... Like two. Like two more origins and then we'll move on. So, all right. So, uh, another character that I love in Marvel Comics is Moon Knight. He's slightly crazy. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people think of him as the... the uh, a lot of... Uh, yeah, a lot of people think of him as, like, the, the Marvel answer to Batman. And he kind of sort of is. He is a very interesting character. If you've never uh, read a Moon Knight comic, go out, find one of the trades, pick it up, read it, he's, or do some research... Go to Wikipedia, whatever, Marvel.com. Whatever you got to do, go find and read up on some Moon Knight. He's a really good character. Um, and I say this because he's one of the very few characters that has an origin that is dipped in 
Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, his powers and everything else come from Egyptian gods blessing him to come back and get his vengeance and everything else is sort of like that. Um, He's so, the only hero I can think of because the only other Egyptian links I can think of, um, you know, other than uh, uh, the oh God uh, Apocalypse, is Cersei and uh, and freaking a uh, Black Adam. Yeah. So this would be like the only hero I can think of that follows the Egyptian. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A little bit of Doctor Fate too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Ankh and everything. Yeah, Dr. Fates was... Okay, I'm sorry for the interruption. Move no, on. you're good. Yeah. Um, so he gets his origin because he was... Uh, Mark, Spe- Mark Spector, the guy who actually is Moon Knight, you know, used to be... he's uh, He was a heavyweight boxer. He was in the Marines for a while. He was a force recon. Uh, did some mercenary work and all that stuff. And so then he's in Africa and comes across this archaeological dig uh, that uncovered a tomb. Uh, and in the tomb, it turns out that there is actually some artifacts that belong to an Egyptian god, moon god. And so intent on robbing and killing the archaeologists and everything like that, they, they you know, go in there and do what they got to do. Um, Spectre um, defends the, the doctor from one of the people trying to rob him, and but gets defeated and left to die in the, in the temple. And so the Egyptians who worshiped ancient gods, find Spectre, and, you know, they carry him to their temple, and he's helpless before the statue of the god, and his heart stops, and then the statue of the god appears to him in a vision, and they offer him a second chance at life if he becomes the god's avatar on Earth. And again, though, this is just another version of why do you make a deal with the devil, but this is how these things work out. You know, this is Egyptian god's like, you're dying, well, or you're dead, but I'll let you go back to Earth, if you become my avatar on earth for me and go around and do whatever I say you should have to go do. And so he's like, all right, then cool. So then he comes back to life, wraps himself in a nice silver shroud and gets himself a costume. And then he becomes dun, 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 not the silver shroud. He becomes moon Knight. Ha ha. Didn't see that coming. Did you? So <laughs> um, there in lies the origin of moon Knight in a nutshell, kind of shrinking it down so I can get to my origin story. Cause I don't want to over, I don't, I want to get it all in for you guys. So I'll stop at moon Knight and I get to my origin. So for me, um, growing up, I didn't know my mom or my dad were geeks because my mom didn't start actually showing that she was a geek she until was like later. A secret geek. <laughs> she was a secret geek. She didn't start actually showing it off until she was like in her sixties after she retired from work and stuff like that. Um, and it was like, oh, cool. But of course, by then I was an adult, so it's not the same thing. As a kid, I remember my dad taking me and my brother. And I kind of wish my brother was on here too, so he could tell his. Um, but it's too late to be calling him to try to do that. But I, uh, I remember my dad taking me and my brother to Titan Comics. Uh, in Tucker, Georgia, when they were still there at the time. Um, and it was, I, I, I distinctly remember this is probably my first time in a comic book store. And I went in and it was like the most amazing thing I think I'd ever seen before in life. Cause it was just like all these cool covers and pops and, you know, not pops like the figures here, but I mean like color pops as the cover yeah. popped off the shelves and just like were so amazing to me and just like the smell of like the, I've, I've always been a reader. I've been an avid reader my entire life. So the smell of old paper was like, was in the store from the back issue boxes and everything else like that. Um, and I remember the cover of the comic book my dad got me. It's actually, it wasn't a frame on my wall, but it's not now. It's actually boxed up and backboarded. Um, it was an issue of Transformers Generation 1, issue number one. And it was a gatefold cover and it was, fo- it was a foil cover. It was a picture. The cover is Optimus Prime's head. And his mask opens up and it reveals like bullets that are like in the side of his face or whatever from the war that was going on on Cybertron and everything. 
Um, and that was my first introduction to comic books. Like, and I loved it. Like, I loved Transformers as a kid, which is why that was the comic book I bought, you know, as a kid also, or got my dad to buy, however that turned out. Um, we need to hunt Kai's that you bought her. Yeah, it's somewhere. It's um, but that's how, I remember that being my first introduction to a comic book store and remembering that. And mind you, I, I, the issue I have is not the exact same issue. Over the years, I lost that one. But I rebought it uh, one time because, again, I walked into a comic book store and going through back issues or whatever or dollar bins or whatever. And I saw it and I was like, I remember this. This was, you know, and so I bought it and that's why I've had it since then. Um, so, um, but, you know, later on, uh, me and my brother saw Batman, the first Batman movie. Uh, and we were just blown away by it because Batman was so cool. Um, I wasn't a big... Uh, and mind you now, as big as a comic book fan as I am now, you guys should know that as a kid, I was not that big of a comic book collector. I did not spend all my money on comic books. I also didn't spend all my money on video games either. Like, that didn't happen until I was in my teenage years. Um, so I'll fast forward to that. When I was on my in my teenage years, I was more of an avid comic book collector than I was video game player. Because at the time, I didn't own a video game system. So I, did, I didn't play video games. But I read comic books religiously because... I didn't know how to drive yet, so I rode Marta, the you know rapid transit here in Atlanta, um, to get around. So reading comic books worked for me. I'm sitting on the bus. I've got an hour ride to get to wherever I got to go to go to work and everything. So reading was an automatic thing for me. So that's what I did. Um, and also, little known fact about me, my original uh, love for comics started with me being a Marvel comic books fan. And I know for some of you that may seem like what the hell? Right. <laughs> the, like Necker, I know the record just just skipped the beat for some of y'all. Like what? But yes, I was an avid Marvel book comic Marvel fan. Like Iron I Man. read, I was, a, and it was Iron Man. And the reason I loved Iron Man was because Tony Stark used his brain to do to overcome all of his differences. He had alcoholism, and, but you know that was behind him by the time I started reading him. But you know he was paralyzed by the time I started reading. He was paralyzed from like the neck down. But he still, his brain still functioned, and he figured out ways to still be a hero, even though he had these physical limitations that stopped him regularly. Um, he was going through physical therapy to try to be able to get up and walk again. He couldn't move, and you know, and eventually he gets up and he, you know, he gets his ability to walk back. He rebuilds himself with like an artificial nervous system and all this other stuff. But you know, that was an eventuality. But it was a matter of here's a guy who, with all of his money, none of it did him any good. You know, like, yes, he had all of it and it allowed him to have this technology, but without his brain to help him figure out how to do whatever he wanted to do, all that money essentially would be useless. And it's not going to help you. Exactly. So I was an avid comic book reader for Marvel and loved Iron Man. Like there was no, I read everything that was Iron Man that I could get my hands on at the time. Um, and I loved X-Men because I watched the cartoon, but I did not read so many X-Men comic books until... The Executioner song happened, and then I read all of it. Me and my brother have read the Executioner song probably like a thousand times, it feels like. Um, which, if you've never read it, it's an amazing X-Men story. You should go out, try to find it. I'm pretty sure it's in a pay trade paperback by now. Uh, it's like a 12-issue story that gives you amazing art and gives you, in my opinion, X-Men when they were in their prime, before they got to where they are now and everything's all confusing. Um, <laughs> it was X-Men in their prime like hands down some of the best X-Men writing and action because it gives you exactly what you wanted you had Cyclops, Wolverine Cable, Storm Storm, Beast, Iceman, Gambit Rogue, 
all the X-Men from the cartoon, Jubilee. Then you also had Strife, who's a villain. You had Mr. Sinister show up. You had Apocalypse show up. You had Apocalypse's Dark Rider show up. You had all these other characters that you knew from the other comic books, all in these 12 issues. Like, members of X-Force showed up. So you got Warpath, uh, Boom Boom, Cannonball, all these other characters in these 12 issues telling this amazing fucking story. And I'm telling you, if you've never read Executioner's Song, go fucking read it. It is fucking ridiculously good um, uh, so yeah so I read Execution Song so then what happened is uh, 1997 rolled around <laughs> and uh, Kyle, Kyle Rayner became the new Green Lantern uh, the Justice League became the, the Justice League International combat got ended and uh, Mark Wade and all them guys got together and they decided to do a new Justice League comic book and the 90, 1997 Magnificent Seven Justice League comic book debuted. And when I say the Magnificent Seven, like no matter who is on the roster now, let me explain to you, Cyborg was never an original member of the Justice League and he throws the numbers off. Um, <laughs> as much as I love Vic, he just throws the numbers off. But the original 97 Justice League, we're talking Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, who would have been Kyle Reiner because Hal Jordan was off his rocker at the time, Martian Manhunter, Martian. Aquaman, and The Flash, who would be Wally West at the time. These seven heroes were all in a comic book together. For the first. For, not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time. And it right. was just the seven of them. There was no... Later on down the line, yes, the roster filled out, but in the first, like probably 20, 30 comic books or whatever, it is just the seven of them. And it is some of the best artwork and writing. To this day, I would say probably better. No, Michael Turner had some good art, but still, for the time, some of the best art and story you could get for your $3.99, $2.99, whatever comics were at the time. It was simply amazing. And my... 16, 17 year old self, 18 year old self, however I was. $1.99 at the time, I think. May have been. Either way, it was the best comic book ever. And I got it on a chance because I was like, I like Superman. It was art. Because at the time, you have to remember, I wasn't a huge Superman fan at this point. Yes, I'd seen the Superman movies and they were okay, but I wasn't a huge Superman fan. Reading the comic books. It's so weird to hear him say that, right? He's the Superman. I know, right. It's weird (laughs) to hear me say that. There was a point in my life, guys, where I was not a Superman fan. So. But reading the comic books, reading those Justice League comic books made me a fan of the Justice League. But not just the Justice League, but it made me a fan of the characters. And not just the characters or the heroes or the masks, but the people behind them. Because it was different. It wasn't like with the X-Men. With the X-Men, it's always humans hate us, homeless superior, we gotta fight Magneto again. Ah, Xavier's about to die. Ah, Cyclops and Jean are in trouble. Ah, Jean's died Again. Again. It wasn't that. It was, yes, we are superheroes. Yes, we are the Justice League. Yes, we are the seven most powerful heroes in the DC universe. But they also showed you that they were human too. That outside of the costume, outside of saving the world, they were actually friends. And I related to that. Because at the time in my life, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I didn't have a huge social circle. I went to work at one of the two jobs I was working and then I came home and I changed clothes and I went to work again. That's all I did. So literally reading comic books was all I had. And that's what I immersed myself in. And that's when I learned to to differentiate between the hero and the the person behind the, behind the mask or the person without the mask on. Um, 
And that's when the transition happened. And so after that, I started reading Justice League. And from reading Justice League, I started reading Green Lantern because I liked the fact that here is a hero who has what is considered to be the most powerful weapon in the universe on his on his ring finger. And all he has to do is think about it and he can create it. He has to have the sheer willpower in order to create it. He can't just lackadaisically think about something. He has to actually put some thought behind it and enforce his will through the ring to create this construct. And the idea that for, for when you break it all down around it, that literally the Green Lantern can shape his reality through his sheer force of will. With his mind alone, a Green Lantern could shape his reality appealed to me at the time. I saw that as as a a vehicle through life that if I want something I can have it. All I have to do is have the, focus, will, the will and focus to make it happen. And I can honestly say that understanding that concept then at 16, 17, 18 years old as a teenager working two jobs living in Buckhead understanding that concept single-handedly got me to where I am today because whenever I have thought I couldn't do something, I've remembered that I can. Yeah, you raven. <laughs> um, and so I've, I've just always pushed myself because it's like, I, I want to do this, I'm going to do this. And I have Green Lantern to thank for that. And I have Justice League to thank for that. And so the, the or that, is, that is essentially where my origin really, really comes into blossom and the, the stuff and I have passion. here and my passion and the stuff I have here around me in my room. If you've ever been to the Batcave and you've seen the collection that I have in here, all of this is simply from this is what I want. This is what I like. This is what I'm going to have. And that's what I've done. I think I, I think that actually brings about an interesting um, like thought on the psychology of this for me is, you know, how you get extremely passionate almost like almost like to the point of feeling uh attacked if somebody you know can't see you know these heroes the same way you do because they are so important to you because in a sense it's like if you can't understand them then how the hell are we friends and how can you understand me because this helps shape who i am if you can't see what they have to go through you know, and I think that we all might have that character that does that to us or that character yeah. that we related to. And it is a the character you relate to the most. It's a passion, but it's also a personal thing because you've connected to this character in such an intimate way. Like, you know, because they helped you get to this point of your life. They helped shape you who you are that, you know, it's like. It's offending if somebody doesn't want to take the time to understand them or see what it is that, you know, see them from the different angle and stuff. But, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, here, listen to my favorite songs to get to look, know a little bit more about me. This is here. Read this character that I relate to and that, you know, <coughs> um, shaped my life. Right? Yeah, but we we all have those characters that we relate to that are, that... You know, there's a there's a great book. I'll I'll uh I'll dig it out. It's a hardback book that I got. That one of the guys who wrote and worked on Batman the Animated Series actually did. It's a, it's a story he wrote about his tragedy he went through oh, yeah. about how he got mugged and beaten um, and almost killed one time on his way home, and he ends up writing the story about how 
talking to Batman and relating to Batman and the other characters that he helped create on the show and writing the show helped him deal with the trauma of what happened to him um, and helped him actually progress forward through, you know, his train, his pain and his trauma. Um, so that kind of relates to that. Um, but back to the whole origin, but you're right. That is, that is exactly kind of how it is. Like you, you know, it's all a matter of what character you relate to the most. And if you can't understand this character, how can you possibly help to understand me? Um, but we are multifaceted where, so there's other things you can understand, even if you can't understand that character. So that's, it right. works on a couple of different ways as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it goes to the show, like, you know, why you might get offended if somebody doesn't like a certain character or why you get so passionate when somebody speaks out like negatively. Um, but yeah, I do, I do get passionate about it because comic books as a, as a, in general, whether Marvel, DC, hero, villain, whatever, have helped America move forward at one time or another. Propaganda! Look at all the Captain America comic books through the World War II, fighting the Nazis, look at Superman's comic books, Batman's. They've always helped move America forward to give America something else to think about other than what's going on in the world around you. Because and the reality is we all do better when we have something to help us escape from reality. Even if they do go political, because, like, let's face it, there's politics and comic books and stuff, and which is a whole other topic, but even when they do, it's like, at least in, a, in some way, you found somebody who has a, a like-mindedness. Like, this, this person who wrote this, you know, obviously feels passionately about a subject that you feel passionately about, because otherwise it wouldn't be tied to this character that you like. And, you know, or... And it kind of um, makes you feel less alone whenever you have these, you know, issues that you're going through. Yeah. You know, or have you, uh, like, if you might be, like, you know, the only one in your in your family that, you know, believes one way and it's just kind of like, oh, my God, like, you know, where's the, am I? I, know, I get what you're saying, yeah. but back to my origin so I can finish before we run Sorry. out of time. I got off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did at the same spot too. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that is, you know, I started reading Justice League. I eventually started reading Green Lantern and seeing the tragedies that they that they went through as heroes, uh, and in their personal life, I started to be able to relate to them more, which is what allowed me, which is what helped me move from being a Marvel fan to a DC fan. Their characters were more relatable, no matter how you look at it. The Avengers have been literally fighting the exact same villains for 50 years. The X-Men have been dealing with racial hatred for 50 years. It, it has never changed. It is always the same. And it will always be weird to me that the X-Men deal with racism, that there are black people and Jewish people who don't like mutants, but that's whatever. That's a whole nother kettle topic. That's a whole nother kettle of fish. Um, but I'm making a slight mental note for another episode here for a second. Give me uh -huh. a moment. Um, X-Men race. But, yeah, so Marvel it's like DC. they haven't progressed. It's like they've done nothing new. Anytime they've branched out and tried and the fans have a... Lashed out, they don't like it. it. So, they re yeah, they take right. it back. So that's what helped me become more of a DC character because it, I, it was it was relatable. Finding out, you know, Batman's parents were murdered by mugging. Relatable to people who lose parents every day. Superman uh, is a refugee. When you break it down, well, even though he is an alien, Superman is a refugee. And we have America literally was built on refugees. So, you know, we're all refugees from somewhere to a degree. Martian Manhunter, refugee or orphan. Superman, orphan. Batman, orphan. 
which is why they get along so well because they're all orphans when you break it down. These were Dick character Grayson. types. Well, I'm just saying, I'm yeah. just sticking to Justice League for my origin oh, story. So sorry. Um, so sorry. When you all break it down, they're relatable. These are things that you can point at and go, I know somebody who may have dealt with this. I know somebody who may have been an orphan. I know somebody who may have lost parents or whatever the case may be. Or in the case of like Kai, his girlfriend was murdered. I know some, you know, you can say you may know somebody whose girlfriend was murdered. These are things that were relatable or to me that I could think about. Was. and Right, that I could think about and go, this is stuff that happens to real, to real people, which helped make char their characters more real, which helped me understand them better, which helped me love the DC characters more because I could see from that viewpoint that I couldn't see with Marvel. And right. so... Um, I mean, and granted, today, yes, I read both Marvel and DC um, it, because my if, if you know me, one of my favorite sayings is that you can't debate if you don't know both sides. And so I read Marvel, I read DC so I can talk about whatever's happening in both with people about whatever's going on. I see every comic book movie because every nerd has their origin and it may be as simple as somebody seeing a trailer for some new comic book movie and asking me. Who is that? What are they about? And me telling them what I know that gets them interested and that becomes their origin story. You know, and so that's part of my drive is being able to tell other people like, hey, yeah, that's this. One of the reasons I love Outcast United is because every day everybody's origin story gets a little bit deeper and gets more and more added to it. Dominic is a great member of the crew because he will post a picture of some character and be like, hey, I know this guy. I don't know who them other people's is. Who are they? And he'll tag me. And I'm just like, and if I know who it is, I'll just be like, oh, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. They were in this comic book and this was this, this, and this was this, or this. And I'll explain it. He's like, oh, okay. And that's me passing on what I know to help him become a better comic book character. My give his comic book character knowledge. He stumps you and, you know, we get to actually see the community come out. And that's like one of the things that makes us actually happy is like people actually coming out and being like oh that's blah 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 and it's like right oh, I'm, you know i'm not always interactive right i'm not always on facebook so it's really great when somebody some of you guys come out and beat me to it and you guys fill him in on stuff and it's like yeah they're right that's you know it's whatever that's that's who they say that is or whatever you know so i i love that um that aspect of it and so everybody's origin story gets a tad bit deeper you get to add to somebody's knowledge you know, you get to put a book on the shelf in their brain about this character or about this comic book or about this storyline or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And that single handedly is probably the origin story of Outcast United mm -hmm. is that I wanted to build something that wasn't the standard nerd platform. I didn't just want to be half naked women in geek T-shirts. I wanted to be regular everyday geeks and nerds helping each other, talking to each other, sharing knowledge with each other about what we all love. Whether it be manga, anime, cartoons, sci video games, sci-fi, comic books, regular books, action figures, toys, art and things art, that whatever. tie into this stuff because I mean, whatever you whatever whatever peaks your nerd meter. Right. That's what the origin of Outcast United was all about in the end. Building something, a community for everybody and everyone to come together and share their knowledge and be like, this is why I love this. And like, I really don't care. If somebody posts a picture of a character that they love from some comic book and it's like, I love this guy because blah, it could be Jughead from Archie. But if you love Jughead from Archie because he eats hamburgers, 
Then you love Jughead from Archie because he eats hamburgers. I'm not going to falter for it. whatever to Popeye? No, you're thinking of Wimpy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just but, Yeah, I know. But that's that's how that is. So um, we're down to the last five minutes. They're like, hey, we're, you're getting to getting closer to the maximum. Yep, it gives you all red and stuff. Yeah, it's down to the last five, less than five minutes, four minutes or whatever. So, um, yeah, so that is in the end cat's origin story the origin of a few comic book characters you guys might not know and so you've learned a little bit of something and my origin story which ties into the origin story of outcast united um last thing i'm going to add what you know right at the end like you know some of my favorite ones to hear and you know i love love seeing it at school and stuff is uh finding out how much these origin stories drove you to choose your career paths and go for something bigger and stuff like I love hearing the stories of astronauts who were in love with Star Trek and Star Wars, and that's the reason why they wanted to be astronauts. And here yeah. they are, flying to outer space. Like, it is so amazing. And then, you know what, led us to art school because we wanted to learn how to do this stuff. So anyway, that was, that was the end of it for me. Yeah. Um, so, I, once again, as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will, as always, try to get up a new podcast next week. Yes. Uh, for you guys to listen to and enjoy and have fun with. You drop uh, comments and conversation Drop pieces. comments, com- you know, conversation topics that you'd like to hear about. Like I said, this is only episode two, but we will be getting gu- getting guests on. So we'll let you guys know and all that little stuff and post up in the group. Um, and next time I'll probably post a topic be- the day before. So that way you guys get a chance to drop some comments about it. We'll see. See how it works out. Um, but until next time, as always, from myself... C-Dub, and from Cat, Chris, you know, Cat and Chris, we want to say to you guys, as always, be good to each other and be good to yourself. Stay outcast and stay united. Exactly.